uh, well, Kung Fu Yoga, AFPAC edition. I'm, I, I'm really happy they stopped saying AFPAC. I couldn't stand that, AFPAC. I hated that. Remember that acronym that when people used yeah, to say? Yeah, yeah. Did they really stop? Did they really I don't know. Stop? I haven't heard it in a while. All I hear is about Afghanistan these days. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl, how are you doing, man? You good? Doing good, doing good. I actually managed to squeeze in a short surfing session before we started. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You wake up early. You were, yeah. You're an early riser. Early. You, early. you must go to bed early, too, though, right? Well, I have a baby, so <laughs> I, I get waken up whenever. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't um, know so, if you saw me when uh, you first called me. I still had had him strapped on my body. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said, give me five minutes. Yeah, no, I didn't see that. But yeah, I remember. I remember those days. I remember those days. We were in the sandbox earlier, all three, me and my two kids. So. Wow. Nice. Lots of sand. Oh, you have sand. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to wash sand off my body before we started recording. Be <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about Afghanistan. Um, and, you know, I wanted to talk to you because uh, so much China panic happened um, when that withdrawal. So there was this withdrawal in the middle of the night. <laughs> the, Amer- the Americans just uh, didn't even say goodbye. They just they just slinked off. And the commander, the new commander of the base, you know, got a call from the airport apparently and said, yeah, we're leaving. <laughs> they left their Pokemon Go's. Have you seen that? Did you see that story? Cena posted yeah, a story. Of how they yeah, left. yeah. Actually, I have a buddy who have a uh, who have connection in you know with uh, people who are serving in Afghanistan and mm. he before the news story came out uh, you know he was leaking to us that uh, basically all the people are except for the the core diplomatic staff people are already leaving and and the talibans were um just the talibans were just walking in to taking over the various regions and they do it by text message like the taliban literally text messaging all these <laughs> afghan commanders like we're coming in and that's it, that's it. That's yeah it. so that's their thing i mean it's totally different from i guess not totally different but it is a different military situation it seems where they just say we're here and that's enough to uh take over they've taken over everything but the major cities it seems and yeah. uh, I think that was uh, that was I think that was a case for for a while. I mean, like I, I have seen those maps that get posted on the yeah. New York Times, like looks like they, they have control, always control the Pashtun Cartland in the south. But now they're pretty much everywhere. I mean, I, I seen like Taliban taking over uh, like regions in northern Pakistan. Uh, I mean, Afghanistan that were never under Taliban control before 19, oh, man, so long ago, before 2001. <laughs> yeah, before Af- Americans went in. Yeah, I mean, even in 2001, they didn't have control of the whole country, right? Because yeah, there was yeah. the Panjshir Valley, there was Herat, all, you know, the whole Northern Alliance was still yeah. controlled by, yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, I, guess, I don't know, the warlords got old, I guess. I mean, you know, Ismail Khan in Herat is like 70 plus years old. Rashid Dostum must be old. So the guys that were fight, I mean, the guys that were 
holding the line. They just... they all have villas, probably in Turkey, <laughs> U.S., Canada. You know, <laughs> they've aged out. They've yeah. aged out, man. And meanwhile, I guess like the the Afghan the Taliban, uh, you know, which you used to think of as like a Pashtun um, force, is seems to have Tajik, you know, considerable Tajik uh, membership now and like support in Tajik areas because we used to think of the the Taliban as fundamentally a Pashtun uh, organization but they seem to have you know Uzbek and Tajik uh, still not so much popular with the Hazara so for people who don't know the Shia um, of Afghanistan are tend to be from a you know considered to be a different ethnic group the Hazara and uh, if you look at one of these maps, uh, Pe- I'm reading a lot of Pepe Escobar these days. He's been follow- covering it. Um, and he, the, it's like a donut, you know, <laughs> the Taliban control. And the hole in the middle is the Hazara uh, area. So still bad memories because they were horribly oppressed. You know, they're yeah. traditionally a, an oppressed group, but like the Taliban were particularly nasty towards them. Um, yeah. So that that. Yeah, Pepe actually says that there are even uh, Hazara in the Taliban now, but it doesn't seem like doesn't seem like that is gonna be easy to crack. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, how how do they make their pitch? Like, we are better than <laughs> we're better than ISIS. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're better than Afghan Afghanistan ISIS. <laughs> yeah. That's the pitch. That is the pitch, yeah. actually. <laughs> That's yeah. the actual pitch. So, I mean, and I guess, I mean, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the pitch because I suppose that that is the pitch that the Taliban are making to China, too, right? Because a lot of what Pepe is saying is, like, n- n- with the Americans seemingly gone, assuming this is actually true, um, then the Russians, the Chinese, the Pakistanis, uh, Indians, arguably Iran will all the neighbors will all um and the central asian like tajikistan uzbekistan uh kazakhstan then those neighbors will all play a much bigger role in in afghanistan and afghanistan um, will have to have a new relationships with all these people yeah i think i mean traditionally chinese foreign policy in the last 40 years has been you know whoever takes over <laughs> whoever becomes yeah. legitimate government they will do business with you um right. and you know right. whether it's the current afghanistan government you know because it's recognized by un or in the future if a taliban dominated government uh in yeah. fact before the u.s invasion in 2001 china had some contact with uh, taliban um via Af- oh. uh, via pakistan via pakistan because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back then, China's primary concern is uh, for the Taliban to rein in all the Uyghur militants that were stationed mm-hmm. in, in Afghanistan. And and they were exploring possibility of some business deal like, uh, you know, a pipeline through Afghanistan to China, stuff like that. Um, but of course, you know, <laughs> then 9-11 happened. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, but, but China do have that kind of back back channel through uh kind of the pakistan yeah but i mean that's what i that's what i'm i don't know what what your take on it is but that's what i've been struggling to understand like i don't fully understand 
what the Taliban is now, because I've always thought of the Taliban as basically the Pakistan influenced um, group like Afghanistan has, you know, Iranian influenced armed groups. Pocket uh, and then the Pakistani one, like Saudi influenced armed groups, and then the Pakistani one is is the Taliban. But it seems like they're, you know, they're not a proxy anymore. They're they definitely have their own agenda. But I wonder, like, how have they been so successful? And like, what? How much say does Pakistan have in this now? Do you yeah, I, I think a lot of uh, the Taliban success is due to Americans. Actually. Just collapse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, we we have done our best to radicalize the population, and right. through 20 years of occupation, and and yeah, that does seem to be like the Taliban's like one demand, right? It's just America out. Like that's it. The occupation yeah. ends. That's that's it. And like they're they seem to be willing to talk about anything else <laughs> but yeah, like he sent himself as, uh, nowadays it, it, it seems like Taliban almost presents itself as an Afghan nationalist uh, yeah. uh, the, the, the nationalist faction you know they, they represent the Afghan interest as opposed yeah. to say the, the Kabul proxies for Americans um, yeah. and they yeah. do have a point so China, so Pepe set, uh, quotes the Chinese foreign minister at the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. And uh, the Chinese foreign minister says the three priorities for China are one, inter Afghan negotiations toward national reconciliation and a durable political solution, uh, thus preventing all out civil war. So if the, if the war goes to the cities, the last time this happened, right? 1992 to 1996, uh, you know, Rabbani and Masood were in Kabul and Gulbuddin Hikmatyar was outside Kabul and they just basically destroyed Kabul. Um, and, you know, from 96 on, people were like, well, why not the Taliban? Because these guys are certainly just out to destroy everything. Um, and so there's a similar kind of, you know, there's nothing better i guess people are going to the taliban for one of something better but but i think uh russia china maybe pakistan i have no idea but certainly china wants to prevent that from recurring right they don't want this bloody house-to-house fighting or artillery shelling kind of situation well china just doesn't want any kind of instability on its border uh, i mean i yeah. think at this point china probably uh it does. It, it's agnostic to 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 take over Pakistan. I mean uh, Afghanistan. You know whether the Taliban or the current mm-hmm. government. As long as somebody is in control, so there's mm-hmm. not like a huge chaotic situation right next to Xinjiang, right? And so, mm-hmm. so I think that's that's China's primary concern. And and in fact, I mean I think Taliban is actually in a stronger position now than they were in their 90s because. Yeah. Uh, in the 90s, it was a free fall for all the warlord factions, and ta- the rise of Taliban was enabled by the support of Pakistan deep state. Uh, yeah. But now they have indigenous support. They 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 have like a, it, yeah. yeah they have a lot of street creds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really looks like that. It does. I I I've been I, I've I'm I've been trying to get myself out of the mentality that I have been in for you know, since 2001 of like what the Taliban is, because clearly it's different now. It's different. 
um, and their attitude is different and their their support is different. And yeah, and their relationship with Pakistan. So the next one is fighting terror, the next Chinese priority, number two, fighting terror, which means in practice, Al-Qaeda remnants, ISIS, Khorasan, and the Eastern Turkestan Islamic movement. Um, Afghanistan should not be a haven for terrorist outfits. So this is obviously <laughs> a big one for China. Uh, and the Taliban seem to be really, uh, you know, making as much noise as possible to say that's not what we're about anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, for a long time, actually, China has somewhat of uh, uh, maintained a communication channel with the Taliban via Pakistan deep state, uh, basically just asking them to keep a lid on things, right? Like, uh, yeah. it's fine. Uh, we don't like it that you you host all these Uyghur militants on, in your territory. But look, as long as you keep them in Afghanistan, right. <laughs> don't let them come back to China. And and so far, uh, you know, it, it's, it's to be seen whether Taliban hold up to their end of the bargain, right? I mean, so far we, we have seen is the Uyghur militants from Afghanistan actually traveled to Syria during 2012 right. Syrian war. They didn't go back to China. They went no. to fight in Syria. They're still in Syria, right? Yeah. They're, they're still, still in, in Idlib. Like, yeah. there's like thousands of them in Idlib, right? Yeah, they took over a whole city, actually, like uh, yeah. the, the Al-Shugur in, in Idlib. The, the, the Al-Qaeda in Syria, uh, on, formerly Al-Nusra Front, just ba- basically handed over the tongue to the to the Uyghur militants over there. Yeah. I mean, number three is similar to number two. The Taliban, for their part, should pledge a clean break with every terrorist outfit. So, um, so it does... Because of this this mystery, like China has the best relationship with Pakistan, right? Probably of any country <laughs> in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <I'll be tough>. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, what? Like, where does where does the Taliban? Like, how does does China? If China has a complaint about the Taliban or about what they're doing with Xinjiang or whatnot, do they? Do they go and tell the teacher? Like, do they go? go do they go to the ISI and say, like, guys, like, is that is that the back channel? Is like, I I don't know if uh, I you know at this point I think it's we nobody really knows how much control Pakistan deep state have over Taliban because like I said you know Taliban now is uh, indigenous movement and they have yeah. a lot of uh, domestic support in, in Pakistan especially in the countryside. And um, I think ISI uh, function more as kind of intermediary, like, uh, you know, they pass on the message <laughs> from China to Taliban. And and I think Taliban has their own interest, um, I think, to because uh, they, they once they do, assuming they do take over, uh, they probably don't want to repeat of nine uh, like. Uh, post 9/11 uh, right. situation, so so they have interest to keep all the uh, all the great powers at bay. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, for them, I I think it's not a stretch to think that they will, because I mean, China's demands is basically Afghanistan be stable and yes. don't export terrorists to Xinjiang. That's that's two main uh, Chinese interests. Actually, China. Sign some big investment deal in Afghanistan 
but that was kind of on hold. There was a big um, copper mine in Afghanistan mm-hmm. that China signed a huge, inv- one of the biggest investment deal in the country. But the copper mine was never developed for obvious reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the security and then the collapse of the, the global copper price in the aftermath of 2008 uh, financial crisis. So, you know, I think China would still very much like to go in to develop those resources, but in order for that to happen, they need to have a stable Afghanistan. And that's what China would like to see. Did you see that tweet where some American, I don't know, politician or pundit or something was like, we should be the ones who get those resources. We were there for, we occupied that country for 20 years and now China's going to eat our lunch or something like this. That's basically kind of the Trump (laughs) position, right? It's like, oh, we we went in and we didn't even get the oil in Iraq. You know, like, uh, I mean, just, there's still a lot of Trump supporters in U.S. Yeah. I mean, despite the election defeat, uh, I mean, like, I, I just saw a recent poll of the Republican voters, like the Trumps, they said, who you, would you vote for in the next election? And Trump was polling like 54 percent. Way ahead of everybody else. Yeah. 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 So, OK, so here's the thing. So Pepe's articles all kind of end with like. If China and Maitreya wrote an article, too, along these lines, basically, like if China does get more involved, you know, the way China gets involved in countries like this is very like economic, business oriented, infrastructure oriented. And that really is what Afghanistan needs. Like I was in Afghanistan in in 2013 and it's like, yeah, it's like the roads like (laughs) the roads are you know all the american you know infrastructure is all garbage everybody that that we talked to was like yeah this road was rebuilt and it's just you're just like shaking right on the road like bumping up and down and then they're like oh this road's pretty good the russians built this (laughs) like back in the 80s (laughs) see that building over there the macroreon it's like you know the only like decent housing in in kabul Russians built that. <laughs> so, like, the only things that are standing are stuff the Russians built. So, it really is what Afghanistan needs in a lot of ways. But, like, they I wonder... They say Russians... They're, they're not talking about Russians post-American... Post they're, they're talking about back in 1980s. They're talking about wow. 1980s. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I, I um, forgot. So, you, you went back to Kabul... Uh, went back to, you went to Afghanistan because you have some family connections there, right? Yeah, yeah. My, my wife. Afghan. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay, okay. So I call my kids. My kids are... why, why were you in <laughs> Afghanistan? Were you like part of the U.S. military? <laughs> oh, okay, no, no, yeah, no. you're right. There's only a few ways to to get there, right? Yeah, no, my wife's <laughs> Afghan. We um, yeah, it's funny because we were in Delhi and getting a visa. It's interesting because they they had like a sign where they said if you're, I have to get this right, if you're a foreign woman married to an Afghan man. You can get a visa as a spouse. And I was like, I guess we're applying for that. <laughs> they didn't ever, they didn't say the reverse. But I was like, I assume we can get one through this clause. <laughs> and and like, the, that guy you in. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, nice. guy, the, guy, the guy's like writing the visa and he keeps looking up and he's like, so tell me again, why do you want to go? <laughs> we want to see. It's like you really want to go. You really want to go. <laughs> but yeah. So 
Um, but but here's here's what I what I keep wondering is like if 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 China can do can like improve Afghanistan's infrastructure and 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 make deals and help stabilize on an economic basis, is that like can we look at China's relationship with Pakistan and and that as an example because has has that happened very much in the Pakistan context? Um, well, but but the China Pakistan relationship is a bit special though. I mean, the, it's yeah. the 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 only reason the two side got together is because India because because the Sino Indian War in nineteen sixty two. I mean, before that, uh, China Pakistan was actually have a pretty antagonistic relationship. Because oh. um, I rem- because you know Pakistan it's it was a Founded on a very kind of anti-communist ideology, and then in 1950s, uh, I remember there's a famous uh, Chinese movie in early 1960s called "The Visitor to Ice Mountain." Uh, the ice mountain in question is a uh, mountain Musta- uh, Musata, uh, which sits on the border between Xinjiang, Afghanistan, and Pakistan, and and it's uh the, the story uh, takes a place in this uh this Tajik town in China that somehow got infiltrated by foreign elements from across the border and everybody kind of understood the foreign elements is coming from either Afghanistan or Pakistan oh in the movie because this was kind of like before it's not like before the Sino-Soviet split became public, so he wasn't talking about Soviet Union at all because uh-huh. he was referring to events that happened in the 1950s, and you talk about kind of the reactionary uh, elements and and part of the remnant <laughs> KMT regime <laughs> from the old oh, Xinjiang yeah. that got got uh, together. It's, a lot of that did happen uh, because you know back then Pakistan was uh, has always been very tight with uh, U.S. Right back back yeah, back yeah, in those yeah. days. Yeah, of course, and, of course. <laughs> and then and back then China was actually friendly with with India in 1950s. Uh, yeah. I just I, ne- Nehru and Nehru was good friends with uh, the so ministry. Yeah, so, that's right. John Lai, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I just read uh, recently a, a Mao memoir. Uh, it was they talk about a Mao like sometimes Mao would. Um, quote some ancient Chinese poet and the translator don't know how to translate it. And this one instance was uh, some foreign dignitary, I think was from Britain, uh, was asking Mao about Chinese relationship with India. This was back in 1950s. So Mao quoted a, a, a Song Dynasty poet who wrote a wrote a poem for to her husband saying, you know, we are two clay dolls. Let's break our dolls and mix our clay together, wow. then make new two new dolls, and then there, you know, my doll has a piece of you, and your doll has a piece of me. And, and the, the translator, oh. of course, translate the poem, but my, the gist of Mao's quoting that poem is saying, you know, that's the relationship between China and India. It's very tight, right? That was 1950s, right? Man, and then 19 19- come a long way from there, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then 1962 happened, the, the, the war between China and mm-hmm. India. Pakistan sees that opportunity very mm-hmm. quickly. Did, uh, they reach out to China um, on their own. And then in 1965, because, in the Soviet Union was on India's side, I guess. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And then, then in 1960, uh, because 
the border conflict that sparked the Sino-Indian uh, War in 1962, there are two sections. One section is, is near Assam in northeast India, but one section section is near Ladakh uh, on the border with uh, Pakistan-controlled Kashmir. And so Pac both Pakistan and India had border dispute with China in that part uh, of the region. And but what Pakistan did is right after the war, they reached out to China, very quickly wrapped up a border agreement with China, settled their border between the two. That was 1965. And then from then on, the two sides has been got very close. That's why China built a start building a road from Xinjiang to Pakistan in start 1960s. It was completed. Uh, in 1979, just in time for the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. <laughs> and mm. then you know, the road, the Karakoran Highway was leveraged by the CIA because CIA was purchasing mules from Xinjiang <laughs> to, to uh, because uh, I, I think I told this story before multiple times. Uh, you know, originally the Americans tried to source uh, Tennessee mules for uh, Mujahideens oh. to carry their weapons, but the American mules couldn't hack the Afghanistan. Can't do it. Can't do it. So, so CIA is like, oh look, Xinjiang is next door. Xinjiang has a lot of mules. <laughs> Let's buy. You know, we are we are now buddies buddies with the Chinese. Let's buy mules from Xinjiang sent them over to Pakistan and that then from Pakistan give it to the Mujahideens and they also bought a whole bunch of Chinese made weapons from China. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole anti Soviet jihad from nineteen seventies to nineteen eighty or eight, eighty nine, whatever, ninety one even you could say, uh China was in on that. Yeah. Yeah. China was on the side with U.S. and Pakistan <laughs> and Saudis. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. weird. I mean, CIA had a listening station in Xinjiang in 1980s. They had a listening station to to uh, spy on the Soviet nuclear test in Kazakhstan. <laughs> I, I don't think that listening station functioned anymore, but no, this was... Not. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> You met you mentioned Tajik. There's Tajik Chinese. Uh, so they are known as Chinese Tajiks, but they are really a Pamir a Pamiri people. Uh, because they speak. Um, so in Soviet Tajikistan or or current country of Tajikistan, um, so there's Tajiks who speak Persian, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and and then there's these Pamir people who live in the mountains and speak a Eastern Iranian, uh, different Eastern Iranian language that's not intelligible with Persian. But they refer, but the <laughs> but the plain Tajiks call them mountain Tajiks. Oh, right? Okay. Okay. So so. Because Xinjiang was under a lot of Soviet influence in 19 since 1930s, so they adopted the terminology to call the also the Pamir people in Xinjiang Tajiks, even though their version of language is not not Persian. They're not totally. I mean, uh, but now they the, the Tajik the, the people themselves have kind of adopted the term. They 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 refer themselves as Tajiks. So like historically, the Pakistan part of the reason Pakistan supported like the Taliban and like an Islamic uh, Islamist um, approach in Afghanistan, the Mujahideen was uh, they wanted to sponsor an um, Islamic movement instead of an Afghan nationalist movement 
because the Afghan nationalists were always interested in Pashtunistan. They were always interested in like having that Pashtun part of Pakistan part of uh, Afghanistan. And like, is there on the board is because because that they don't respect that Duran line. They don't respect that border. Um, but is there anything like that on the border between Xinjiang and Afghanistan? Is there like informal people moving back and forth or nothing like that? Oh, no, actually, uh, I mean, before the borders were settled, the, the nomads cross the border frequently. So um, the 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 primary people, they're kind of half sedentary, half uh, nomadic. But the Kyrgyz used to move across the border from the Soviet, um, from the Soviet Central Asia to the, the Wakhan Corridor in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xinjiang and also uh, north um, the, the the north north part of Ka- Kashmir under uh, oh, Pakistan yeah. control the Gilgit uh, Baltistan area. So, but um, but then what the then then the border was fixed, so they can't. So now there are like thousands of uh, Kyrgyz still kind of trapped uh, in in, mm. in in Wakhan corridor in uh, in Afghanistan. They can't move um, because see. the national boundary has been fixed, and that. That whole area, so Wakhan Corridor actually used to be part of the Silk Road. <laughs> the, oh. the the famous Chinese Buddhist monk Xuanzang actually traveled through Wakhan on her, his way to India. Um, oh. But during the Great Games in in the late 19th century, uh, the Soviet, the the Russian, not the Soviet, sorry, so Tsarist Russia and the British Empire decide to carve up the area of Central Asia, th- that area of Wakhan Corridor used to be part of an ancient uh, state called the uh, uh, em- Emirate of Badakhasan. Um, oh. So what the Tsarist Russia and British did is they just decided to carve it up and give it a uh, part of it, go give it to Russia. That became what's today's uh, Gorno-Badakhasan province of Ta- Tajikistan. And then they give the Wakhan Corridor to Afghanistan. And the reason they assign it to Afghanistan is because it will be a buffer zone separating the Russian control area and British right. India. And so that's why there's a, like a little slink, little, very little sliver of land that's linking China and Pakistan today. Mm-hmm. And and after 1949, that border has been uh, basically sealed. Uh, there's, there has been no movement back and forth except you know some some uh, uyghur militants have been traveling through that area but officially that that part of the border is closed so the india angle is you know there's a war with pakistan in 1965 again and then another one in 1971 the 71 one uh the the us really did take the side of pakistan and india was went even closer to the Soviet Union. Um, But then uh, with respect to Afghanistan, um, yeah, like they got it, they got their hands in, they just try to do whatever the Pakistan is, they just try to counter whatever Pakistan is doing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Pakistan is there. Well, we have to stop them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, India, I think they have the second largest embassy in Afghanistan after United States. And basically they're there after the NATO invasion just because, you know, Taliban, the Pakistan supported Taliban. So we're gonna yeah. support the, so, the, the Afghanistan government now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, I guess that's Pakistan's approach too, right? It's like, you know, China fighting war with China. Uh, Yeah. So um, can you talk about the China-Pakistan economic corridor? Yes. Um, So there's a lot lot of talk about China's Belt and Road Initiative, the the new Silk Road project. Actually, if you break down the numbers, the largest investment of the whole Belt and Road Initiative is the CPAC, is the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. So right now, basically, China is putting huge sum of money to build up the Pakistan infrastructure uh, from north to south. They're they're trying to they they have built a port in Gwadar, which is on the sitting right. on the Arabian Sea near the Strait of Hormuz, um, right. near the Persian Gulf, at a very strategic location. And then they are they they have uh, rebuilt the Karankoran uh, Highway. Uh, the because in 2000, there was a big uh, earthquake uh, and landslide in northern Pakistan, and that destroyed the old Karakoran Highway. So China built a brand new Karakoran Highway. But now this time, they built it all the way from Chinese border to Gwadar, to, to the Arabian Sea. And they're also building um, huge uh, hydroelectric uh, dams um, and power, uh, power plants. Basically, they're doing a revamping of the Afghan uh, of Pakistan infrastructure, and and one there there are two reasons for that. Um, one reason is strategic because, yeah. um, you know, for a long time Pakistan and China has been very close, uh, but Pakistan has been kind of wobbly <laughs> in the last yeah. in the last yeah. few decades, and and uh, you know china doesn't want to see pakistan collapse um, mm-hmm. and and this is this kind of new injection of capital uh, and and infrastructure investment is hope to stabilize pakistan somewhat and, yeah. uh, and at the same time because china is trying to develop xinjiang so uh, it's that means uh, china exploring all the different outlets for Xinjiang, one one uh, talk about a way is to link uh, Xinjiang to Arabian Sea, you know, through the right. through the sea, through the corridor. I mean, they they already built the, uh, the the highway that goes from Chinese border to to Gwadar, but now they're talking about maybe even possibly building a railroad. Um, right. And there's some crazy plans, even like pipelines, you know, build a pipeline um, that would go from Gwadar all the way, climb over the Karakoran mountain range into Xinjiang. That way, uh, it's to bypass kind of the U.S. naval blockade on the street of Malacca. Because right now, China imported a lot of oil from Middle East, from the Persian Gulf, and a lot of that oil is transported by ship. They have to go through the streets of Malacca um, Mm -hmm. and then go up South China Sea Right, so that's why U.S. Navy now is in South China Sea oh, doing hanging the, out in the South yeah, China Sea. Yep, doing the freedom of navigation patrol. Uh, and China and the and the Chinese um, U.S. Navy made no secret about the Street yeah. of Malacca being a chokehold for the Chinese energy supply. So yeah. the what the the Chinese response to that is the Belt and Road Initiative, um, and they're building the different. Point, one, another point, uh, China already built a pipeline through Myanmar uh, from China's Yunnan province to Myanmar. So so the oil and gas will 
from travel from Persian Gulf, uh, load, load uh, offload in the ports of Myanmar, and then pipe through the pipeline goes to China. So, so, so the ship doesn't have to go through the Strait of Malacca. And now, if the Gwadar port is successful, and Gwadar pipeline is another point. So, so that the the, the whole point is. U.S. Navy can't be at all points at all time. Then, then the street of Malacca is not a choking point anymore. So that's the kind of the strategic point why China is diversifying its route of uh, energy supply. Um, and they already have another uh, pipeline from Russia. From you know, so so there's there's more oil gas coming from there. Uh, but they're doing more. They're doing the the exploring the Arctic routes now that because of global climate change, <laughs> the, the, right. now the Northern Passage is freed up. Now they can travel by ship from uh, going through the Arctic Ocean to Europe. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. So so that's that's part of the reason for this uh, Belt and Road Initiative. And Pakistan become kind of linchpin. Part of the reason is because the close relationship between China and Pakistan. And China doesn't want to see Pakistan fail. So the CPAC, CPAC starts in 2015, right? Um, the officially starts in 2015, but the Chinese investment in Pakistan predates that like even the whole belt and road initiative thing is just a, a like they're just a slapping on a word uh to describe something that china has already been doing since 2000s since late yeah. 2000s but it's accelerating because china's development is so is just getting so much more so i mean again like i i was in i was like i actually taught a summer couple of summer classes in islamabad in 2008 and uh you know, like you said, it was it was it was creaky. <laughs> electricity, couple of hours of electricity. You know, sometimes lots of power cuts. Um, lots, yeah, lots of you know generate like people are just natural gas. The cars are running on natural gas and like yeah, infrastructure problem. And that's the capital, right? Like people were saying, Islamabad is like where everything is yeah. good. You know? Yeah, now now China is, uh, I just saw on YouTube video, uh, uh, people traveling on this new light rail uh, China built in, I, I forgot it's Lahore or Islamabad. So they're doing a whole revamping, even city infrastructures. Um, so yeah, so I mean, China obviously do not want uh, Pakistan fail and it wants to uh, it sees stability on its border as a primary, um, the primary reason, right? So the same, I would think the same rationale would apply to Afghanistan. China do not yeah, want to yeah. see Afghanistan fall into civil war. It wants to be stabilized, so it could be, um, so so Chi Chinese companies can go in and invest, yeah. you know, like like. But I guess what I was. One, one question on my mind was like, is Pakistan a successful example of that strategy? And it seems like maybe it is starting to pay off a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, with the kind of the gigantic amount of money uh, China is plowing into Pakistan, I mean, I, there's definitely infrastructure improvement. I mean, that yeah. that's seeing. We have to see. I mean, like this works. I think we're still at the initial stages, so yeah. we have to see. So how we also have happens. to talk about drugs. Sure, of course. of course. Heroin. China yeah. has bad experiences with this. Yeah. 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 I mean, they all do, right? Like, I mean, yeah. India, Pakistan were the places that were growing it. Yep. Yeah. Dumping it on the Chinese, right? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So for tea and sending it back. So, but like Afghanistan, that's another thing. Like another element of uh, the the U.S. in Afghanistan that we never talk about is like the U.S. using <laughs> Afghanistan for a source of illicit heroin so that they can fund their covert operations. So, so the funny thing is now Pakistan, Afghanistan is kind of world's main supply base for opium and heroin. But yeah. before, before the NATO invasion of Afghanistan in 2001, the, the main base of supply was in the Golden Triangle in yeah, northern Myanmar. The other and, side of Yeah, other China. side of China. <laughs> and, and the reason that got kicked off and started is because well, the CIA involvement in 1950s, they, they're trying to finance the KMT remnants who fled China into northern Myanmar. And the CIA really helped the KMT kick off the, the opium production in northern Myanmar because uh, right in 1950s, there was a big uh, supply shock to the world opium market. Because China yanked the opium, all the opium production from China because um, originally, so after uh, the opium war, after China was forced to open its market and to opium and legalize opium trade, there's a lot of opium, in, more Indian opium going to China. Uh, in, in response, a Chinese official decided, okay, if we're going to legalize opium, we might as well make some money off it. So they started to legalized opium cultivation inside China. So very quickly, by by early by early 20th century, China became the world's number one <laughs> supply Producer of and opium. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and but by like you know, and then that opium gets processed to heroin by the Shanghai gangs, and they get exported to San Francisco, and an opium epidemic, a heroin epidemic in in U.S. But then. Um, when Mao came to power in 1950, that was cut off completely. Like the, the, the Chinese opium production dropped to zero, and that was a. And at the same time, um, the other source was from Iran, and the Iranian government also put a kibosh on the opium production in the early 50s. So there was a, like a big. I mean, it was a big it would have been a big withdrawal from from all the heroin opium addicts around the world. But then comes the CIA helping the KMT set up their opium production in northern Myanmar. So yeah. that and now, funny, funny enough that now that after the NATO uh, invasion of Afghanistan, Afghanistan become the next big yeah. spot for the opium production. Yeah, and, and pa- Pakistan too, right? I mean, those same areas of Pakistan uh, on the Afghan border. And I know Iran actually has relatively benign uh, opium or like heroin policies. You register as an addict. I mean, whatever criticisms are possible, but like you register as an addict, you get maintenance dose from what I've heard. And they they they're actually a producer of legal uh, opiates. Um, they grow uh, poppy there. And so people were trying to figure out like, but like who's going to is this is this going to continue to be is this whole opium trade going to continue to be under covert u.s control or is that like is that something they're talking about 
that's uh yeah that's a good question because like they're not gonna just give up the opium are they (laughs) because before 19 before the invasion u.s invasion in 2001 taliban actually stamped out the opium yeah they banned it for a year the year prior to the invasion they had banned it yeah Yeah. because they at that time taliban was trying to achieve international recognition right i think at the time saudi recognized uh taliban and pakistan recognized taliban and they were also in talks with china via pakistan to talk about possible recognition and that's why um you know at at the time you know china's condition was like okay you don't don't send your uyghur fighters back into xinjiang right that's our requirement but then 9-9-11 happened and then, then 2001 uh invasion happened that was off the table so it will be interesting to see what the Taliban would do once if once they take over, because now opium is, again, one of the biggest source of revenue um, yeah. throughout, throughout Afghanistan. Uh, whether they would uh, trade, say, international recognition for banning on opium again. So because, you know, assuming U.S. withdrawal is real. <laughs> and, yeah, I guess, and, like, it's, it's yeah. all. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and and they can't. They, I'm sure they, they're not eradicating opium crops in the districts they're taking over. I'm sure they're not doing that. Like I, I don't know much, but I know they're not doing that because we would have heard, and it yeah. wouldn't have been so easy to take over either. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, because why would you antagonize your <laughs> the, yeah. the local population by yeah. deprive their main source of income, right? And then yeah. uh, at least not initially. Like the, right now, they're not even in full control of the country yet. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll, that that will have to remain to to be seen. Because before, right after the NATO invasion, it was the 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 U.S. allied warlords that brought the opium you know production yeah, back exactly, and then exactly. then that you know then he has you know just multiple multiply um it's it's yeah that's that's you're right i mean we even have these photos like ap <laughs> photos yeah. of u.s soldiers guarding the poppy fields in oh, afghanistan yeah. yeah this is not somehow i don't understand how this is not a big talk about nobody ever poppy. connects Nobody ever connects it. It's like these are yeah. all just different things going on that happen to be in the same place. Like, yeah, it's, oh yeah, there's just this like, war there. There's opium, you know. There's you minerals. just understand that's a local tradition. You know, we're just respecting <laughs> local tradition here. Yeah, cultural sensitivity training. That's a, yeah. Um, man, it's it's so it's so um. It's everything's up in the air, you know, it's it's just who I have no idea. But it, I mean, whew, I mean, it's I, as far as I can see. Uh, Actually, I don't think there will be a repeat of uh, late 1990s like Kabul fighting because yeah. uh, back then there were different warlord uh, factions. You know, you got the yeah. Hekmatir and you got the Masood. They're fighting over control today's afghanistan government i don't think they're capable to, to put up a fight i mean when especially when the Taliban commanders just message the afghan national army say hey we're coming over yeah <laughs> yeah Abdullah, Abdullah and ashraf khani are not gonna like yeah i don't think they're gonna come to blows they had opportunities to come to blows i suppose 
yeah, yeah. man. But yeah, so I mean, I China could China could be a uh, the other thing is like with India, you know, I we I always like to talk about India's role, but like India has no role. India's just like too busy just burning itself down. <laughs> I don't know. Um I mean, it could it, it, yeah, I mean, it, for India, you will you will have to depend on kind of the Pakistan role in this, right? Yeah, so what are they doing? Side side supports the, the India will support the other side, and so you will have to we have to see what kind of the relationship between Taliban and uh, Pakistan uh, evolved to be. Uh, so right now, India is officially supporting the current Pakistan government in Kabul, but. I don't see how long that's gonna that that government is gonna last with the U.S. withdrawal. Like if yeah, there's no I mean, the, the, in, India just does whatever the U.S. wants now. So if the U.S. Yeah. is withdrawn, then India is also not gonna do anything there. They're not. Well, really... you see that Erdogan is gonna <laughs> said he's gonna take over the Kabul airport, <laughs> and yeah. and. and yeah, and he was. Uh, there's reports of he's planning to send his uh, Syrian mercenaries to Afghanistan, <laughs> like, like <Okay>. to Libya. <laughs> but he did this before. He did it. Sent them to Libya. He sent them to uh, to the fight between Azerbaijan and Armenia, and and so but it's what, possible. What, what can he do that the Americans can't do, though? I had no idea, and and, and Turkey's poll is a lot less in Afghanistan. Yeah, I, I can't no. imagine. I mean, there's some sure there's some Uzbeks that could support the Dostum, but uh, I I don't think Dostum by himself could you know do much. No, they point. like they like Turkey. Like Afghans like Turkey. You know, they think yeah. of it as a great you know a great country. But like they're not they don't want Turks you know, they don't want Turks to occupy their country. Like after after they got uh, you know after getting the Americans out, they're gonna accept the Turks. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to do that. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, China, like, China's not interested in that either, right? I mean, even Pakistan, like, Pakistan never, I don't think Pakistan had, like, boots on the ground. In, in, no, uh, that's what Taliban is for. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was exactly. That's what they Taliban never, is for. They, would, they didn't go I, in uniform to, to, to Afghanistan. I they remember. Would, yeah. I remember all those uh, U.S. pundits like, uh, you know, Bloomberg colonists getting really excited, you know, at the prospect of, you know, China might go into Afghanistan. They're like, yeah, yeah, finally, China is going to learn the mistake that we did in Afghanistan. Yes, awesome. It's like, why would China do that, though? (laughs) I'm not going to do that. Make assumption, <laughs> and, and yeah, like the it's it's. They're gonna it's they're, just, they're not gonna go into Taiwan, but they're gonna go to they're gonna go to exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I um, guess we just we just have to wait and see. I mean, until yeah, there's so just but you know the most honestly like the most hopeful thing is if the U.S. really has left, and you know. If Afghanistan could, you know, like have like a normal independent state, you know, like if the Taliban are, if the Taliban really are going to be more inclusive of everybody and, uh, you know, they're going to make some deal where they're 
they probably have quite a bit of power, but they'll probably like I, I read in I think probably another Pepe Escobar article. They're not really they're not really interested in like municipal <laughs> governance or whatever. They're just like Islamic justice and security. Like those are their things. That's their thing. They're not but that, like that actually has a lot of appeal to locals yeah. who are used to years of chaos when there's no yeah. law and order. That so that's actually what what people need. I mean that's how um kind of you played out in Somalia for a little bit for for a little yeah. bit when no, but I mean, the, the, you know people just get sick and tired of all these chaos and they just want order. I mean uh Islamic courts and and security sounds good. <laughs> sounds good yeah. compared and to photo And then if there's you know if there's money from China and actual infrastructure coming that also makes a will make a big difference so yeah. yeah who know i mean yeah that is how the taliban took over in 96 right like 96 to 2001 it was like these like warlord rapist you know destructive you know chaos and the taliban were like we're gonna have rules and people went to that banner because you know even barbaric rules were better than <laughs> No rules. Yeah. Yeah. Then the rules. Well, yeah. Jungle. China had a China had a warlord period. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That I mean that's why it, it, yeah that's how the communists got a lot of appeals because yeah. it's like people might not agree with the communist ideology but they just want some order in their lives. Yeah. And then it delivers. And, so you know I I think the one the one other insight I think that that comes from all this is that the 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 force generating all the chaos in Afghanistan was the US. And like yeah. now that that's it does seem like that has been recognized including by even elements of the US supported government in Kabul. So I mean object US objective in Afghanistan it's it has right. never been clearly defined yeah. and Came like a big racket to 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 make the defense contractors rich, yeah. uh, but like they they never stated what the U.S. objective is. Like at one point it was to get Osama, but after Osama bin Laden has been killed, you know why we're still there? <laughs> and then they they talk about nation building. It's like wait that that wasn't the objective for going in in the first place. You're just shifting yeah. the goalposts. Why you know you it sounds like you're justifying the occupation rather than providing a valid reason. And and right now, um, interestingly enough, you know I see one of the rationale provided by some of the some of the hawks in the national security establishment is that uh, U.S. need to withdraw from Afghanistan in order to focus on China. Yeah. <laughs> Competition in South China Sea, Taiwan. So, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, how does a how does an empire with 800 bases and like 100, however many countries focus on anything? Like, what does that even mean? Focus on something. Yeah, and I think that's 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 a fundamental issue right now because you know there there are some people during the Trump administration that well, we we need to make nice with Russia to 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 focus on China, but the you know the people who are affiliated with NATO is like no 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 we can't give up our grift right like like we need to focus on Russia so that's why like right now U.S. decides to be antagonistic to to a Russia China and Iran right yeah. like all and Venezuela and Cuba and yeah. <laughs> and everybody everybody yeah everybody. <laughs>
Wow. All right. Well, I mean, this was good. I yeah. I mean, I just think I'd, I'd leave leave people with the with that impression that you know once the once once everybody in the region recognizes as they have that it's the U.S. that's spreading the chaos, there are new possibilities now. Um, I think one like one uh, poss- uh one thing example possibly to look to is Syria. Right, because uh, like U.S. haven't completely withdrawn from Syria yet, but it has backed off considerably from the regime change effort. And 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 just recently, I think there's a statement from uh, Chinese Foreign Ministry that they are, you know, Syria is interested to sign up on the Belt and Road Initiative, and China is looking to do investment in in the in the country of Syria. So that kind. Kind of the Syrian model will probably be likely be applied to Afghanistan if Afghanistan come to somewhat stabilized situation. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, Afghanistan will have it easier. They're closer um, to China. They, uh, you know, they're. I mean, they're not under sanctions now. We'll see what the U.S. does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like, that yeah. that that'll come right. They'll make some pretext, but you know it'll be tricky because they don't want to they don't want to antagonize. I mean, Pakistan has has managed to keep the U.S. I don't know, keep some relationship with the U.S. right and mm-hmm. and China at the same time. So, well, Pakistan kind of it, it kind of re- that that relationship really changed a lot in the recent decades because you know Pakistan started out embedded with us yeah but exactly. but after i think after the collapse of the soviet union um kind of us felt like it doesn't need help with pakistan anymore yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then they that's why they blocked, the, they blocked the the sale of f-16 to to pakistan that pakistan already paid for and and oh, then us moved closer to india after the indian nuclear test and and so now and Pakistan was actually strong arm into supporting U.S. Uh, invasion of Afghanistan when U.S. basically told Pakistan, look, like, we'll bump you to Stone Ages if you're not with us. And, yeah. and yeah, so so Pakistan right now is, I say, it's closer to China than than U.S. as as result of all that in the past. Yeah. Uh, U.S. is not interesting to invest in Pakistan. No, <laughs> U.S. don't invest. Do- at all they in just US. US domestically. No, Why would no. they invest in Pakistan? No, it's about yeah. running it down, running it into the ground and making as much money as possible. But this is yeah, this is interesting times. All right, Carl, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>